Welcome to Trust Tree Talks, a podcast that's committed to telling the extraordinary stories found in every woman. We're your hosts, Lisa Shower and Elizabeth Holmes. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. We're talking about change. What does change mean to each of us? How do we adapt and grow? We're curious and we're inviting guests to share a little about what they've learned on their journey so far. Today, we are excited to have Elvia Santos Domingos as our guest. Elvia is a first-generation Latinx college student attending the University of Washington, pursuing her bachelor's in business management with a minor in sociology. Elvia is an emerging leader in our local community. She is a highly motivated individual, always ready to have her voice be heard. She has a bright passion for new projects and a desire to continue to improve and develop her skills. In 2018, Elvia was selected as a Ready to Rise Scholar by the Portland Leadership Foundation. While in the program, Elvia joined a conversation with other local BIPOC youth and three local law enforcement officers. The discussion provided a safe space for both groups to share their collective experiences and learn about each other. The discussion was called Amplifying Youth Voices and is in its second series. Elvia also joined Centro Latinos Institute of Public Policy, Education and Training as a fellow of the program. She has become an active member of the Vancouver Community Task Force on Policing, appointed by the City of Vancouver City Manager to represent the perspective of and to give guidance on youth professionals living and working in Vancouver. Elvia is a community engagement specialist at Point North Consulting, working as a member of the community engagement team on the Interstate Bridge Replacement Program, as well as other stakeholder outreach projects. Okay, Miss Elvia, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, well, hi, my name is Elvia Santos Dominguez. I go by she, her, hers, Aja. I'm a first-generation Latinx college student attending uh, University of Washington Tacoma campus. Um, I'm a sophomore. I was the business development specialist for Point North, but now I'm the community engagement specialist. Um, <laughs> I've changed titles, which boop, I'm boop. excited about because that really now encompasses sort of what I've been doing, which is community engagement, what I love to do. I, I like to call myself a young lead, an emerging leader in my community, a fellow, literally, because I'm a fellow of this cohort I'm part of called and Dolores Fuertes Institute um, from Center Latino up in Tacoma. Yeah, that's that's who I am. Awesome. We're so glad to have you with us today. You want to talk about school at all? So I started my freshman year, 2019, fall 2019. I was in school for a few months and then COVID hit. It was like so crazy because UW was one of the first schools. Like I think it was the first school in the U.S. who just like shut down because it was a Friday. And I was like, oh, finals are coming up. I wish like the week was longer. And they were like, okay, online for a week. And I was like, yay, you know, don't have to go to class. I can stay in my room all day. Great. And then it slowly started like, being like, oh, no, like two weeks. Oh, no. Just like no um, in-person class until spring break. Oh, spring break is going to be a little late. Um, spring quarter, all online. It, it didn't really register in my head that like this was a big deal until I don't know when, because there was just so much going on around that time, which is like finals. And then around the same time, unfortunately, one of my uncles had passed away. So I was just like, and then the world was going through this crazy thing. And I was just like, oh my God, what's going on? I just want to like, 
shut down, get in a little bubble and then like stay there for a few hours, maybe a few days. And, and that has been my mood. Well, it's changed a little, but that was like 2020, my mood. Just like being like, I just want to be wrapped in a little burrito, <laughs> my own bubble. Did you come home? Yeah, I came home because I was like, at first I was like, oh yeah, a month at home, spring break. Heck yeah. Like, this is going to be good. I'll just come back spring quarter. Everything's going to be fine, right? But no, because like during spring break, they were like, online and I was like oh well I guess I'll I'll stay home I guess that's fine I get to eat my mom's food it's gonna be chill right and then fall quarter everything's gonna go back to normal it did (laughs) it I was deciding if I wanted to go back to the dorms or like stay home and I was just like I'd, I'd rather stay home I didn't realize how lonely I was during that time until I was back home because I'm a family person like my family is huge like huge and so I'm used to chaos. It's quiet right now, which is surprising, but I'm used to chaos. People like eating as a family, just like talking over each other. And so that was one of the good things that occurred in 2020 that I was able to come back home and realize that I missed my community. I just might want to stay here and maybe transfer over. But school was really difficult because I'm not an online learner because I, I, I have ADHD and like I need to have a space that's for like homework, a space to sleep, a a space for like classwork, like that. I just had to have my strict routine to help me not get distracted, like finish my assignments on time. But that transition was just so abrupt and it was hard for a lot of us. Like a lot of my friends and I just had conversations and we're like, oh, this is awful. Like, I don't know what my plans are anymore. And it was just like crazy. It's still crazy and I'm hoping for things to get better. But like COVID brought me new opportunities. Like I got to work more with Point North. I love it because it's a, a new lesson every day. Like I'm surrounded by amazing women with amazing um, careers. And I'm just like, y'all are my mentors. Like y'all are the best teachers I could ever have. And it's great. I'm getting more involved in my community, being on a task force with the city of Vancouver. I'm policing. I'm joining this conversation called Amplifying His Voices with PAL. And also joining this other um, cohort called uh, for, from Central Latino. And um, it was the Dolores um, Puertas Institute. And, you know, just getting involved. I got to lobby. Sorry, I'm like blanking out right all now the things. <laughs> I all the to things. do all the things I'm like talking about them I'm like oh wow I did like all the things yeah, yeah <laughs> in 2020 and I'm excited to do all like way more things in 2021 and I'm like COVID you might have stopped one thing but you didn't completely stop me I'm like I'm still rolling <laughs> how'd you get interested in the a community outreach Olivia it sounds like that's a real passion for you yeah, it is. I guess I didn't really realize it until like this past year. Like I did, but I didn't. My education, like K through 12, there's always been just like this barrier where like my family, my mom, or even like me, like we we didn't really get the same communication like other English speaking families did. It was a little frustrating, but at the same time, like it didn't register in my head until I got older like basic things like not having the correct uh, like documents that like all families should have translated into Spanish 
for our like Russian, Ukrainian, Vietnamese, like not translated to these other languages. And also frustrating how my community members as a Latina, I can't speak for other communities, but um, but as a young Latina, like like my mom didn't know some things that were going on. My aunties and uncles didn't know about these activities, these resources the community had until it was too late or, or they weren't 100% sure it was like actually a thing, you know? So it was frustrating because I'm like, oh my God, like these resources exist for a reason, but why is it not reaching the intended audience, the intended community? And it was really frustrating because that's not fair. Like whoever's in charge of your communication, like get it together. Thankfully, like Lisa, she has been such an awesome boss and like letting me do a lot of different little things. And like she got me into community engagement with the Interstate Bridge Replacement Program and also my other mentors, Tyler Monk and like my mentor in Central Latino and other people that I just meet that I'm so grateful that like things have aligned for me who have helped me get access to different resources. And I'm like, I want to be them. I want to be the person who tells other young Latinos, other um, non-English speaking community members that these resources exist. This is cheesy. This is really cheesy. But I want to be literally the bridge that connects these two communities because this like bridge doesn't really exist. And if people think it does, you need to like check what's going on a little bit better and it's improving and I'm so thankful there's organizations out there who are starting to like they understand that there's a problem with communications and they're trying to be more accessible and creating more material that in non-English speaking families can access and also creating that trust because trust is super super important one of the things that I remember hearing from you, Alvia, as you described kind of how you grew up and this component around translation and accessibility was even just something as simple as an example where you went to the doctor mm-hmm. and your mom doesn't speak English. She's not a native English speaker and your need to translate what the doctor is saying so that your mom can understand what's happening in the conversation at a very young and early age. And that seems like that's been pretty impactful for you that it's driving so much of your work moving forward and your community passion. Can you just talk a little bit about kind of the role that you played given that you were having to translate growing up and and how that lived experience has influenced you? Let me, let me start off with like, yes, since Technically, English is my second language because when I was one, I moved back to Mexico with my mom. And when I was five, we moved back to Vancouver. So like learning English was so difficult. And then the minute I acquired this new skill, yeah, no joke, not just translating and interpreting, but I would have to fill out the paperwork myself. I just remember those times in my childhood. I was just like, why do I have to do this? I'm literally a kid. How do I correctly translate this medical stuff like imagine an eight-year-old kid translating all this medical stuff to your mom and and translating is not easy let me tell you it takes a whole like so much energy and it was just I always was like that's so unfair like as I grew up a little bit more I I realized that there was like interpreters that like um, medical staff were supposed to like be like okay we'll get you an interpreter 
But I'm like, why is that not more readily available? And why do you think that should be an option? Like it should be a necessity. Don't wait for us to ask you. You should ready be asking us, you know, that, that type of thing. Because before I didn't know at, at the beginning when I was like a little child, I didn't know that was an, a, a, like an um, resource. And some doctors would ask us, some wouldn't. And then I would have to be asking. And I'm just like, that's so frustrating. I'm like, it's unfair that you have to put this responsibility on me and to all my little cousins. Because it's a thing that still sometimes happens. Not doctor's appointments, school visits, getting on the bus, like on the bus, like it can be, it's too much because you have to like understand what's going on, where you are and be responsible, not only for yourself, but for your parents. Because that's one of the biggest things. Like as a little kid, I, I always worried about my mom. I was just like, oh my God, am I telling her the right things? Am I doing this properly? Where are we? Who am I supposed to call this and that? You know, I always was super fearful that if I wrote my name incorrectly, something big and bad was going to happen. It's stupid that I feared that. That was like one of my biggest fears, like growing up. Sometimes I would cry about it. And and I hate the idea that other kids have to feel that way. I don't want other kids to have the burden of doing these things because their parents don't speak English. So that's why I advocate for more accessibility and and not just for non-English speaking communities, but also the deaf and blind community. Like they exist. They live here too. We we're part of Vancouver. We're part of Washington. We're part of the U.S. And it's upsetting that we have to remind everybody else, but I'm glad that things are getting better. That's so much pressure to put on kids. Right. I can imagine that that just shaped you in such a profound way. And it's interesting when you were in high school and you were thinking about going to school, what brought you to UW? Like, was there a program there that you were like, this is my jam? In my mind, it was just like graduate high school, graduate high school, and then senior year. Well, junior year starts like junior year, but you're like, oh, right. What comes after high school? And like, I knew I was supposed to go to college, you know? That's what society expected of me. I knew I wanted to get into business because I was in this club called Future Business Leaders of America during literally all of high school. And that that's what shaped my, my want to go into business, my interest. But I was just like, how do I do things? Like, how does this work? Because I didn't really have like an older sibling, an uh, auntie or an uncle, a parent who could be like, okay, this is the game plan. This is what you need to look into. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to hold your hand. We're going to do this together. I didn't have that. And that was terrifying. I chose UW because my college counselor, she was great, amazing. I'm always talked to her, called me up in class and they were like, hey, somebody from UW is here. I think it'd be super cool for you to like come up and come talk to her. So I, I did. I talked to her for like, I don't know, like 30, 40 minutes. And I was just like, okay, like UW seems the Tacoma campus has a cool community and it's very diverse because that was my biggest things. Like I wanted to join a community that was diverse. Um, in high school, I feel like I didn't really talk to a lot of other Latino youth because um, I was in AP classes and that that's a whole other conversation um, that I could start. But I, I, did, I didn't, I have like one other 
Latina friend um, from high school. And so I was like, okay, I want to get into a diverse community somewhere where I could feel at home and welcomed. And and just talking to this um, member from UW, I was just like, okay, UW seems like good options. And, and I also, you know, wanted to spread my wings, get away a little, but still stay in Washington because, again, family is super important to me. Also, financial aid was great. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's how I ended up at UW. Um, WSUV was my second option, as, and I got accepted to both. But I'm low-key thinking of moving back to Vancouver, though, for college. Because I just, I really, really dug my, like, roots deep into what the community's doing this past year in COVID. I just want to say, I know Lisa is a fantastic mentor, and she creates teams that are cohesive and very supportive. So I just want to put that little plug in there that I hear you. But how did you connect with Lisa? How did you connect with Point North? In one of my classes, Mike Beaumar came in because somebody, um, Josh from Partners in Career, like sets up little meetings with like business people (laughs) um, and brings them to school. And Mike was one of them. I, I asked questions. Josh was like, oh, and then we went, I joined a tour of the port of Vancouver. And I, again, kept asking questions about the like waterfront development. And just like, Josh was like, oh, wow, like questions. You're interested. You're engaged. I'm really summarizing up the experience, like what happened, but pretty much that. And he was just like, hey, so we have this paid internship program. Would you be interested? And I'm like, internship? paid you got me <laughs> but the biggest goal that partners and career had was to um, match their students with company an organization that really you know reflected what they wanted to do in life and at that point I was like sort of wanted to get into human resources I want to engage with people and so Josh talked to Lisa I don't know what happened on their end but all I know is that I just randomly had an interview with Lisa not randomly but you know had an interview with Lisa and it just went from there and I was shook like the entire time the first few days I started working with her I was just like what am I doing here this is so great oh my god yay (laughs) my first few days with Elvia I don't know what I'm doing what am I (laughs) we had the same experience (laughs) we were both feeling the same thing that's awesome a little bit of the same so the way that I got uh connected with Elvia was kind of honestly kind of similar like paid internship so partners in career offers employers opportunities where they pay the employer to pay the employee. And so it was just a really fantastic opportunity for Point North as we were trying to determine what it is that we wanted to do and and how we wanted to do it within our community. And I had heard through the grapevine, this incredible young leader, Elvia, was asking Bomar a bunch of questions on a tour and really very, very smart and had just so much insight into the way in which she was asking questions and the questions that she was asking. So I had heard about Elvia through the grapevine and then partners and career connected with me. I was so grateful to have the opportunity to work with her. This is someone who shows up before 
we agree on what the time is for work and sits in the coffee shop reading the Wall Street Journal. Like <laughs> she is actually 60. Um, she's not 20. So uh, just a heads up. She's one of those old souls that I think in what she's already shared, maybe had to grow up a little faster than others tend to have to do. But you've done it in a way that is admirable. And you are such a learner that you just soak up information all the time from the people that you're around to the ability to read something while you wait to be able to to go to the next thing. You were impressive in high school and you continue to be impressive today, Elvia. So it's been really fun, not only kind of seeing the growth within the organization and our real focus around community, but your growth and how you have just really stepped into leadership opportunities without hesitation. So just to do a little bit of bragging about Elvia, um, she has facilitated events all in Spanish online for a bi-state $5 billion program. I mean, and she didn't say no. She said, oh, Uh, A little nervous, but I will say yes. And so I think it's with that enthusiasm that you mentioned early on that that you had several mentors and Beth, I appreciate your comments and compliments about uh, building teams. I think the way in which I've really tried to build teams is by not repeating teams that I've been a part of that I didn't feel like I had the opportunity to grow and creating teams that I thought I would be uh, able to do really well and excel in. One of the things that uh, that Elvia does is really step in and help to build that team and help to soak in what she's learning from others. But what I think that you don't often see is how much you are inspiring others that you see as mentors and how much you are teaching them. And so I think over the last couple of years that we've worked together, I have learned so much. And I know that uh, you have been seen within our community as someone who has a strength in your voice and a perspective that needs to be heard. And so, I mean, I remember hearing had some conversations and interviews with a certain city manager and mayor and city council members like that's not something most 18 or 19 year olds tend to not only have access to but also just say yes to having those conversations so I was curious if you could tell us a little bit more about the city of Vancouver policing task force because not only is that a big deal that you were selected to participate but that you played a pretty significant role in how that committee has moved forward. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of how you got connected and um, a little bit about the work? Well, first of all, you're literally making me tear up about all your comments. Like you, you can't see, but inside I'm just like (laughs) rainbows and just like joy and like trying not to cry because I'm like, I super appreciate all of you. And like every day I'm like, I'm so, so grateful that I like managed to connect with these people and like pretty much like the right people because not everybody gets these opportunities and I hate that and I'm trying to change that but I'm so grateful that that it has happened virtual zoom hug to answer your question how I got I got connected to the task force it was really funny actually a little low-key because 
Eric, the city manager, he just pretty much slid into my inbox. <laughs> and I was just like so thrown out. I was like, why is the city manager emailing me? What did I do? And I was just like, how does he know my name? Like, how does he know how I like that I exist? And then I find out that it's because I was in this conversation and continue to be called Amplifying Youth Voices. It's a PAL conversation between like youth and law enforcement here in Vancouver Clark area back in late summer of 2020. The facilitator, um, Tyler Monk, my mentor, he asked Ready to Rise like students. And I was like, heck yeah, I'll be part of the conversation because I, I want to hear from law enforcement. I want to hear stories from other youth. And I, and I also want to share mine because I've also had experiences, both good and bad. And if there's a platform for me to speak, I will speak um, as scared as I can be. So so I guess some people were listening on to the conversations in the background and somehow Eric found out. I, I call him Eric because I'm like titles, man. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. <laughs> At first I was like, do I like last names? How do we do? How do I communicate with like, how do I call older people, <laughs> you know, but names. And so we set up uh, a Zoom, not a, it wasn't Zoom call, but, you know, pretty much Zoom call and talked. And he told me sort of what the task force was about, task force on policing for the city of Vancouver. And it just went from there. I went on the first meeting. I was shaky. My voice was shaky because I was like, what am I doing? What? type of meeting am I about to jump in? What type of conversation am I joining? Because I'm like, I am literally a fetus in this life. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. I, I'm a young woman. I'm a young adult. But like when we talk about like my career and stuff, like literally I just started and compared to like a lot of people that I'm uh, in the room or virtual room that I'm walking into, I'm literally a fetus compared to that. Were there any other youth or were you the only youth? Our first meeting, I was the only youth and there was supposed to be another youth part of the group, but I, I it just ended up not working out. I, I'm not 100% sure what happened. And so now I'm the only youth or what's considered youth, you know, 16 to 25, 26. I don't know the age range. So it was super intimidating, like at the beginning, like I was terrified, but people kept reminding me I have to keep reminding me that like there's a reason why I'm there. And the reason was to bring in youth and not just youth, BIPOC youth perspective into this conversation. And as well as a reminder to everybody in the group that we need to be transparent and really communicate with our community, which we can improve on. We, we need to do better. I won't deny that. And just continue having this conversation. That's the biggest thing. And also like my other thing is just like reminding the rest of the task members like, hey, the decisions we make today at every meeting, it doesn't affect you. It affects me and other kids like me and our next generations because they're the ones that I worry about and that everybody like people have to remember at the end of the day. <laughs> sorry, it's not about you, but it's about us. And like we're we're frightened about the decisions some people in power make. And I'm just like, that's the biggest thing that I try to get in. It matters. And I hope they continue to listen and other people listen to that and the whatever things I say like create an impact and you know that's my other second biggest wish that because I again I, I keep thinking I'm just a little voice in a big big world like I, I don't I sometimes get become like 
not confident in the impact that can make, but I'm like, no, Elvia, you are creating a big impact and be proud of that and be confident in that. And, and that's, that's, that's something I try to tell other friends, other youth that I get involved with other people. Sometimes you need, you need that reminder. Like doesn't matter how small of a change you think you're making, you're making a change and it could be small to you, but it could be the whole world for somebody else. I'm just blown away by your willingness to step in to everything. Like you don't seem to be like, maybe not. No, you're like, yeah, I'll figure it out. And I think people at any age can take inspiration from that attitude of just like, yeah, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to see what I can do because, you know, you're creating your legacy already. That's amazing. And, and I love that it, like the spark was that you're quizzing Bomar on about what's happening at the port. Like that's just that's marvelous. That's a wonderful story. Got to get my word in. Just be like, hey, so like you're a person of power. What's up? Yeah. If you had like three wishes, like three things you could change in the community, what do you think your top three things would be? First of all, like I, I bet this one's a really obvious one. Just creating better communication, more accessibility to everybody in the community, regardless of your language, if you have any disability, or just like making sure there's a connection and clear communication. That's number one. Number two is I need people to stop denying that racism doesn't exist and the history in our country. Like, I just need people to stop denying that and have a civil conversation and create change. Okay, my third wish, this is a thing, really random, but public transportation. I would get on the bus to go um, from Heritage High School and that street, there's only one bus that goes like this way around. And and I wish there was one that could go this way because it would make it so much easier. It would have made it so much easier for me to, uh, sorry, like you, you don't know what I'm talking about because you can't see what I'm, I see in my brain, but it's just like public transportation in Vancouver to just get a little bit better because there's some areas that I definitely, if I was like back in high school, like, or even now, even now, like it would have saved me so much time <laughs> because that, that was my biggest resource because my mom doesn't know how to drive. I, I, I know how to drive, but um, when I was younger and could not legally drive, public transportation was my biggest hero, my biggest resource, my buddy. And using public transportation was one of the biggest skills that my mom taught me. Her for something non-English speaking woman <laughs> who figured out public transportation and taught it to me and made sure that that's a tool that I had in my belt and a tool that I could use to, um, you know, get to where I needed to go. So I wish it could improve though, because there was a lot of times when I was on the bus or waiting for the bus, I'm like, why isn't there a stop at this place? Why? Anyway, I won't go on a rant about that, but that's just like a small thing that I, it would have been great. I love those three wishes. I'm curious, how long does it take you to get into Portland from like East Vancouver Heritage High? I mean, when you would do that, if I remember correctly, you like it's a walk this long and then this number of buses and then this. Roughly like two hours, a little bit more than two hours. If I go from like where I live to downtown and then go to Delta Park um, to get the yellow line and then like from yellow line, get into like actual central Portland, like a little over two hours, which, you know, 
had time to self-reflect <laughs> or take a nap. Or read the Wall Street Journal, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. And but yeah, it was it was or like daydream and think I'm in a movie. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a whole trip. And you might think I learned time management in school. No, I learned time management from using the bus. Cause you know, you gotta like thank God for like Google Maps and maps having like an option to tell you like you you pick like your home address and where you want to end up and you know how it's like car like walking bike and there's a public transit option thank god that feature exists because i would be lost completely lost and i've gotten lost so many times (laughs) um so thank god that feature exists because using that um and just like finding okay i have to get ready by seven like this is like a weekend trip to portland like a saturday be ready by seven so i can walk like 10, 15 minutes at my pace because I walk really slow um, to the bus stop, wait and like be there minimum 10 minutes early because sometimes the bus is early or late, usually early. And I hate when I miss it because then you have to wait like 15, 30 minutes like for the bus and then get on the bus and then figure out where I want to transfer to get on the other bus to get to like downtown Vancouver and then from downtown Vancouver get on this other bus that goes through Hayden Island till we reach Delta Park and then wait for the max and then like I still have to like make sure I get my max ticket which but for a while I didn't realize like there was this and then you know there's different like tickets like two hour half a day day trip but it's a whole trip it's a whole thing and I and to really make the most out of my day like I went early and I came back late which sometimes was scary because there there was this one time I went with my friend to Portland uh, via public transportation and I accidentally, like, well, we accidentally like didn't time it correctly and we missed the last bus from, um, I forgot, Rose Quarter, Rose, I forgot what the station was, the transit station was in Portland to, I think the red line, because you could either do yellow line or get to red line anyway, to get to the red line. And so we were stranded in Portland. <laughs> and then we had to do an emergency call her dad um, late at night, like it was dark. And we were in a low-key sketchy area, uh, which is unfortunate. And we're both five foot short, young adults. So yeah. That was a big oopsie on our part, but thank God her dad came to save us. But yeah, it's a, it's a whole, whole thing. I think you've given us some, you know, we like to kind of wrap up with kind of what's next and advice, or I love that three wishes question. I, I think you answered that so well. I just, I don't know that there's anything else that I can think of to ask you other than I'm just going to tell you that, um, your second wish makes me want to cry. And the idea that uh, you have this strong voice and you are in rooms where you have the ability to make change and to use your voice. And I just continue to be so grateful for the opportunity to learn from you and just so proud of you. So one of the things that we did as a team was do introductions and Elvia went first and she gave her kind of what's the quick 30 second introduction when you're in a room and how do you kind of share a little bit about yourself. And at the end, she said, my name is Elvia 
don't forget my name. And I will never forget that moment because it was so impactful. It was goosebumps and everybody was so impressed with you. And I don't think anyone else in that room, no matter how much experience they all had, wanted to go after Alvia when she kind of did that drop the mic moment. And you just continue to do that. So, so appreciate you. I just, I want to say, I appreciate your willingness to get involved with the community and, and sit on these boards and, and have these tough conversations and remind people in power who is affected by these decisions that they make. It's, that is so important. And I'm hoping we see more young people populate these boards and commissions, new faces, people with different experiences, and you're leading the way. And that's, that's amazing. And, and as a community member, I thank you for your service already. And you're 20. My gosh, Olivia. What will I be doing when you're 40? <laughs> we'll be building a statue to just be like, Elvia was great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you're already memorializing yourself. <laughs> hey, yeah. listen, we're going to do two rapid fire questions. So the first is, what encouragement would you give to your peers to speak up? Don't be afraid to speak your word. People are there to listen to you. Just go up and rock it. Awesome. Okay. Here's the second one. What advice would you give to older people to actually listen and hear what your generation has to say? Guys, I know this is a little scary and I know we both have very different perspectives because we were born in two different generations, but it's okay. Just sit back, relax, and please have an open mind. Like we're not that terrifying. One of Elvia's favorite quotes is, you do not wake up and become a butterfly. Growth is a process. And just like the butterfly, we are all growing, learning, and adapting. We want to hear women's stories of resilience. We also want to hear about their struggles. If you have picked up a copy of our anthology, Omitted from My Obituary, you know that we don't shy away from the stories of grit. In fact, we love those stories. We also know we need laughter and inspiration to help us see the dawn of each day. Do you know a woman whose story should be shared? Please introduce us. Reach out. We are listening and we are always looking for women we can promote. We can invite to our show and we can feature in future anthologies. And now for our favorite, a little shameless self-promotion. As we celebrate Small Business Month, please help a sister out and connect us with other women by checking out our website, trusttreatgroup.com and doing a little shopping. You can purchase both our anthology and our delight candles there. Please subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast with your friends or leave a five-star review if you're so inclined. Connect us to the extraordinary women in your life who have stories they are ready to share. Sign up for our newsletter and please follow us on social media. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Lisa. And together we are Trust Tree.